Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Giramita from Giramita Law Offices, but everybody knows me as Mike G. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. You know, I want to remind our listeners that you can participate in the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas throughout the entire week through the Mike G in the Morning social media profiles. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to like our page. Our YouTube channel is Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to like our videos and subscribe. Our Twitter handle is at Radio Mike G. And we've got a screen name on the Instant Grams website. Our screen name on the Instant Grams is Mike G in the Morning. I also want to remind our listeners of the powerhouse lineup we've got here at the Fox News Radio WFYL family. We've got Scott Adams bringing you the Scott Adams Show weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. Great news! Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash is now coming at you weekdays from noon right until Ben Shapiro at 3 p.m. Ben Shapiro bringing you the Ben Shapiro Show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. And saving the best for last, the greatest of all time, Michael Savage, bringing you the Savage Nation weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show them some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. We've got an exciting program on tap for you here, here this morning. As always, I've got Philly Chris joining me. We've got a couple of very special guests. Constable Steve will be joining us talking about the aftermath of the George Floyd situation, his experiences as a law enforcement officer. And we've got Kathy Barnett, Kathy Barnett for Congress.com, running in the 4th Congressional District in Pennsylvania. Got a lot of interesting topics to discuss. So do not go anywhere. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. We've got a very special guest with us today, Kathy Barnett, running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 4th Congressional District. She's a longtime political commentator, uh, longtime member of the WFYL Fox News Radio family regular guest on Fox News Television. And what I love about her most, folks, is she is not a career politician. Kathy, are you with us? I am. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, we really appreciate you joining us. Now, Kathy, I want to jump right into it. You are not a career politician. Why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background? Yeah, yes, you're correct. I am not, and I have no intentions when I win in November to become a career politician. In fact, I've already said publicly, I say it once again, uh, I will only serve two terms. I will serve no more than two terms. So that's four years altogether uh, in the House of Representatives. Um, and I believe that's how our, our, our government was supposed to work. You weren't supposed to get in office and then die in office. You're supposed to get in, do your service for your nation, and then move on with your lives. 
and um, and I believe that's that's one of the many major issues, and our in the way our government is operating today, this coalescing of power, or this accumulation of power and control. Uh, for for the individual once they get into office, they almost act as though they own it. So to that point, yes, you're right. I am not a career politician. I, I've never ran for a public office in my life. This is my first time running, and we are doing a really awesome job. And so I'm very grateful about that. Uh, people are responding, and in large part because Democrats are doing half of my campaigning for me. They are making a very clear distinction between what you will get with them and what you will get with change, with electing someone like myself. You're what I like to call a qualified outsider. And I think that that's uh, becoming very popular these days among voters because they realize that the bums who are in office and stay there for life uh, really don't have the qualification that someone who's actually lived life would have. And I like that you say when I win. That sounds a whole lot like uh, Donald J. Trump talking before he ended up getting elected. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your life before uh, running for office? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I am a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in southern Alabama. Uh, I grew up below the bottom rung of the economic ladder. I know exactly what it feels like to stand in front of an empty refrigerator door on numerous occasions and wonder what we're going to eat. I know what it feels like to sit in a dark room because my single parent mother could not pay the light bills, uh, the light bill that particular week. Um, and yet at the same time, um, I know what it's like to claw myself out from up under that rock and, and from under so many different obstacles. Uh, and so I'm very grateful for that. I believe my story represents all that is good about this country, uh, I mean, my story only takes place here in America. You know, my family and I, uh, or my family, uh, some members in my family have been doing a deep dive and trying to uh, resurrect some of the history of our family. And uh, they've come across the photo of my great, great, great grandmother, Rhoda. Now, I've heard of Grandma Rhoda uh, numerous times from from my family when we were growing up in the South, but I'd never seen her. So I got to see her via picture. She was born in 1846, and she and I was raised in the house that my great, great, great grandmother, who was a slave, what lived in. And I look at myself today coming from a pig farm to now running for Congress. And uh, I recognize that I stand on the shoulders of so many amazing people, uh, amazing Americans who have come before me. And I feel a strong sense of obligation to live well because of all of the sacrifice that people like my grandma Rhoda and others made so that I cannot walk around like a victim, but could walk around like a victor, because that's exactly who we are in this country. Now, Kathy, as an African-American woman, um, people are often told you can't possibly be a Republican. Joe Biden going out there fairly recently saying that if you vote for the president, then then you're not black because for some reason he's the most qualified person in the world to speak on. I know. Right. Right. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, you know what? I mean, believe it to a liberal. I mean, uh, they are a white liberal specifically. They are some of the most arrogant people uh, you will ever meet. I have had a number of white liberals look me in the face and try to tell me what it means to be black. Uh, These are some of the most arrogant people. They know everything, including what it feels like to be black. And, And as Joe Biden said, did they don't mind telling other people that you ain't black if you don't do what I say. Uh, my first thought when I heard Joe Biden say that is, I'm sorry, but slavery is over. And these are not Jim Crow law days. You don't get to tell me who I am. But I, I, I understand why, you know, people feel that way, uh, not just white liberals, but many blacks as well. Uh, why they feel like if you're black, you must vote Democrat, because in all honesty, I feel as though I was born into the Democrat Party, just like I was born into brown skin growing up. There was never a point of 
uh, conversation or distinctions. I don't remember people discussing why we vote Democrat. It's just what you do. You're black, you vote Democrat. And it wasn't until I was a junior in college did the thought uh, hit me for the very first time that uh, do you even know what these people believe? Do you even know if what they believe aligns with what you believe? It was a very uncomfortable thought that I could not escape, uh, but it was a thought that was the seed, the initial seed planted um, as I began to walk through life, just kind of observing the false narratives of the left, of the uh, 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 and specifically the liberal left, uh, examining their narratives um, and then seeing what w- w- what is reality and then choosing to align my life accordingly. Do you think that they're taking these positions and they're coming on so strong about the African-American vote because they're scared that perhaps people are seeing the man who's hiding behind the curtains and that it's all going to come crumbling down for them. Their scam is finally over. I mean, there was recently a report that Venezuela, of all places, issued uh, a warning against traveling to certain cities in the United States uh, because they are just far too violent. And if you look at these cities, all but one have had Democrat mayors for at least 20 years. For example, Cleveland went Democrat in 2001, Atlanta since 1879, Detroit since 1962, Baltimore since 1967, St. Louis since 1949, Memphis since 1991, Buffalo since 1966. Do you think that perhaps these Democrats are worried that the jig is up? And that African-Americans are going to uh, seek else, uh, look elsewhere for their leadership? You know, I think, as usual, the Democrats have overplayed their hand. Um, I think they are betting on black people being stupid and to remain uh, right where we have been for the past 56 years. And that's the reality of what we're dealing with is that, I mean, we're at the precipice. We're at the fork in the road, in the road, the black community. Which way are we going to go? Uh, we spent 56 years on one particular road uh, named uh, the Democrat path. And, and I ask black people all the time, what exactly have we gotten in return for our loyalty? There is no other uh, race of people who are uh, more loyal to the Democrat Party. We are their most loyal constituents. And what exactly have we received in return for our loyalty? We know what they get. The Democrat Party cannot win the White House without at least getting 85 to 90 percent of our vote. But what exactly have we got? Because our streets are still some of the most dangerous streets. Our school systems are still some of the worst schools. Uh, low home ownership, home ownership, high unemployment rate, and a variety of other, you know, uh, failing statistics. I mean, we almost fall at the bottom of every statistic you can possibly name. And then you have to begin to ask yourself, what in the world are we getting for that loyalty? And either we, we've been on that path for 56 long years. Are we going to stay on that path for another four years? Or are we going to pivot? And like I say to black people all the time, like I say to people, period, but specifically to black people, you don't like this president? Okay, fine. I really don't care. Uh, I have never tried to convince someone to like this president. The only thing I've ever tried to convince people is to recognize when someone is working in their favor and then to have the good sense to get out of the way so that they can continue to work in your favor. When you look at across America at these failing cities um, uh, where predominantly minorities uh, reside, it is Democrat locked. I mean, if we just look at the state of Minnesota by itself, the governor, Democrat, uh, the attorney general, Keith Ellison, Democrat, Amy Klobuchar in the Senate, Democrat, uh, Ilhan Omar in the House, Democrat, the mayor of Minnesota, Democrat, the chief of police, Democrat, the overwhelming majority, I think 13 out of 15 of the commissioners uh, in, many, in Minneapolis, Democrat. It is landlocked there, all Democrat. You, you can't find a, a conservative thought anywhere uh, within the leadership of that entire state. And yet, 
the same people, specifically Ilhan Omar, continue to come before the camera telling the rest of America, specifically the black community, that we just need to listen to them. What exactly are they going to do now that they haven't done in over um, over four decades? Uh, I think it's been Democrat locked since uh, 1976. So what exactly are they proposing to do today that they haven't done before? That's the question. That's the elephant in the room that people need to put a spotlight on. And for some reason, they constantly get a pass on these issues. Uh, they kind of because no one is willing road. to challenge them, right? Because no one is willing to challenge them, and that's the fault of the Republican Party. I mean, you know, I am very grateful for the policies of President Trump, and I see him working tirelessly and truly trying to push forward something amazing and he's done a great job you can't you can't argue with the facts pre-covid of what it is uh, of, of the fruition of his efforts but the overall republican party i mean time and time again they are caught flat-footed looking as though they don't understand what these issues are whereas we have the solution to over to the overwhelming majority of issues that are found in minority communities. But instead of standing up tall and speaking clearly so everyone can hear you, we either cower, stick our head in the sand, take a survey or a poll, and absolutely say nothing at all. So it's feckless leadership, not just with the Democrat Party, uh, but also with the Republican Party. Uh, we we have the answers. We just need to start sending politicians or legislators, in my case, to Washington, D.C., who will actually stand and speak the truth. Again, Kathy Barnett, Kathy Barnett for Congress here joining us on the Mike G in the Morning program. That's what I love about outsiders like you, Kathy. It's not like a Bernie Sanders or a Joe Biden, somebody who says, I'm really going to turn things around because the system's broken. Meanwhile, they've been a part of the system since longer than I've been alive. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit. You know, racism and race relations front and center these last few weeks. Uh, a lot of the Democrats, their answer to uh, the issues going on seems to be to defund the police. Do you think that that's a good idea? That's a solution for these issues? Utterly ridiculous. The dumbest idea ever. I mean, in an in a area uh, in predominantly uh, uh, minority communities uh, need policing the most. And their solution is to defund the police. And then when you ask them, well, what are you going to place in their um, in their stead? They, they, they use words like, we're going to reimagine. What does that mean exactly? If someone is trying to break into my home and I call 911, what does reimagine mean? Are you going to, you know, play soft music while I'm on hold and someone's trying to break into my home? Are you going to pass out stickers? Are you going to give everyone a sucker and pat them on the head? That's foolishness. This country is the greatest country that has ever existed because it was founded upon the greatest political document ever written, the U.S. Constitution. And the U.S. Constitution is law and order. And when we upend law and order, as we see going all across our nation, now taking over Seattle, you undo the Constitution. There is nothing so inherently awesome about American people. It is the fact that we have agreed to stand on law and order. And either that is who we are, or we're about to come into a new era. Because the only thing that distinguishes us uh, from from any other country, from, from China, from communist or socialist countries, these authoritarian countries, is the U.S. Constitution. And if, that, and if we have now decided as a nation that we're going to pick and choose things or that we're just going to upend it all together, uh, all of our liberties are, are, are about to be infringed. You know, another head-scratcher from the left, when they want to defund the police, 
yet they don't want individuals, the private citizens, to have access to firearms to be able to protect themselves and their loved ones. We've heard some of these mayors coming out after making these kinds of votes saying, please don't use firearms to protect yourself. We don't want that kind of stuff going on. They'll call us vigilantes and things of that nature. I know! (laughs) I'm not sure what they expect. You know, there's no option C. It's either we protect ourselves, uh, especially if there's no police, we protect ourselves or we become victims over here uh you're a supporter of our second amendment is that correct i am car carrying nra member (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now i've got a question for you with regards to our second amendment because this is something that we haven't seen get through at the federal level uh shanine allen is a young woman single mother who ended up on the wrong side of the border over in New Jersey. She was licensed to carry in Pennsylvania, ended up going to jail for uh, quite some time until ultimately the case was resolved by a colleague of mine, Evan Knapp, and fortunately was ultimately pardoned by Governor Christie. But these kinds of problems uh, land people in jail on a regular basis uh, with the, the draconian gun laws from state to state. National reciprocity was something that was proposed uh, within the last few years, hasn't been able to go through. Do you have any thoughts on something like national reciprocity? Uh, only that I um, that I agree with that. I mean, if my if my state ID uh, is I mean, I mean, think about what it is that we do with our state ID. Uh, what we should be doing is using it to uh, to vote to prove that I am who I say that I am before I go in to vote. <laughs> Uh, so that would be something that would be very high on my list when I get to Washington, D.C., the most valuable. I don't mean to pivot, but now that I'm on it, let me just say sure. the most uh, the most important thing we can do as Americans is to vote uh, and decide who our next leaders or representatives are going to be. That is the single most important decision as an American that I get to make. And to walk into a polling place and just say my name, someone point to my signature and I sign it and move on. That's just utterly ridiculous. I can't do that if I want to go buy beer. I don't drink at all. But if I did or to buy cigarettes, I don't smoke. But if I did um, to purchase a car, to secure a home loan, I have to show adequate ID. Why wouldn't I do that for the single most important decision as an American that we will ever make? Uh, and hopefully people are realizing that more and more of just how much control the government has over every single aspect of our lives. Uh, and if you, and if you doubt what I'm saying, how many people went to church when they wanted to go to church because their governor said they couldn't go to church? Or how many people are about to lose their livelihood because the governor has decided you're not essential? So you just at home up to and beyond the possibility of losing your livelihood. And so if ever we wanted to make sure we had good leadership, good representatives who will stand up for us and make Make sure that we are not being, you know, just snuffed out and being oppressed and that there aren't these authoritarian power grabs. It would be the American voter. And so you would want to make sure that who is voting is actually who's, who they say they are. So it's very important to protect that vote. It's very important that we don't go down the path of melon voting uh, uh, mainly or even, you know, uh, any more than we generally do on any other given year. Uh, so we want to be careful of that. Going back, pivoting back over to your original question. <laughs> yes, I believe that there should be national reciprocity. Um, I, I let do, us buy you firearms know, without ID, right? We don't get to buy guns without ID. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just really ridiculous. I remember driving from Pennsylvania down to Florida and having to, you know, hire a lawyer so that I understand exactly what are the rules for me carrying, carrying my uh, weapon with me across different state borders is very is 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 very um onerous it's just heavy it's too much burden um and i am a law-abiding citizen uh so yes we we do need to take that into consideration I love it. Uh, Kathy, I know we've only got you for another minute or two. Philly Chris is dying to ask you a question over here. I'm going to let him pop in. Go ahead, Philly Chris. 
Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, you know, you have a background in the farming, and I've noticed that, uh, you know, farmers seem to be struggling across the country right now. You know, the cards almost seem to be stacked against them, if you will, and I was just wondering what uh, your thoughts are on that and, you know, what can be done to help the, the farming community, especially during a time when, you know, farming is pretty important right now, obviously, with everything going on. Yeah, it is right, um, and and I and I appreciate what the president has done. What he has done with uh, post COVID nineteen, as far as providing um, adequate funding for them, but then also uh, even um, uh, pre COVID nineteen, providing again additional tax dollars. But we really need to have our farmers to be sustainable, and what exact on their own. And so, what exactly does that look like? What are the um, uh, the burdens that make it so impossible for our farmers to uh, to survive, to be able to stand on their own. And so I believe we need to take a look at that and, and begin to dive in deeper. I know one particular thing is our relationship with China and how much, I mean, that was part of the new trade uh, agreement with China that they were supposed to be purchasing so much right. of our um, uh, farming, um, you know, and then holding people account to that. I know the president uh, modified some things with the, uh, the, the reimagined NAFTA agreement. I think it's the USMCA uh, uh, bill, um, you, uh, you know, modifying that because we were, I mean, people were taking advantage of us. And as the president said often, he can't really blame them, uh, you know, for taking advantage of us. We had a feckless leadership that allowed them to take advantage of us. And so, again, it's doing things just like that, re- re- rethinking all of these agreements, whether it's the now former NAFTA, now USMCA, um, and as well as holding China account on a number of issues that has uh, literally devastated several of our industries. Right. Now, Thank you. Uh, now, Kathy, I know we're about out of time, so I wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you'd want our listeners to know? You know, I mean, as we look at, you know, what, you know, the conversation right now, right? I mean, it's so funny how, I mean, trying to digest daily news is like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. Mm. You barely have time to, to, to consider what is coming at you before it pivots to a whole new, um, you know, a line of thinking. A couple of weeks ago was all about COVID and reopening. Um, our nation today, it's all about George Floyd, the protests, the riots and race relations, uh, you know, uh, and so really, I think the American people, I mean, it's going to be a really sad day if the American people have not learned uh, what is going on in our nation uh, come this November 3rd, this election a year. I believe uh, Democrats are making it very plain what kind of leadership they want to offer. And my hope is that the American people are are awake and alert and that everyone is feeling a little bit more uncomfortable uh, with what it is that the Democrat Party is offering and will do something different. I hope people will go out and support our campaign. We need financing. I am not getting Bloomberg's millions. I am not getting George Soros's millions. Uh, my campaign is solely funded from a grassroots effort. Um, and people out there that have been amazing all across the nation, but we need those uh, dollars coming in to make sure that we're viable and we can do the things that we need to do. So yeah. please go to Kathy Barnett for Congress.com, Kathy Barnett for Congress.com and donate. Uh, Kathy, I've got to mention one more thing that uh, I'm sure a lot of our audience may not even know. <laughs> Uh, my very first time on WFYL was actually on your program years ago, and <laughs> it is because of you that I've been uh, able to have the pleasure of joining our audience every Friday morning for the last year and a half, and for even longer than that on We the People. So I just want to say publicly that... Uh, Kathy Barnett is personally <laughs> responsible for the absolute maniac who comes on every Friday. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. I do want to sincerely say say thank you for that. I appreciate oh, it. Thank it you. Has been a whole lot of fun. You are the qualified outsider. Everybody needs to check you out, Kathy Barnett for Congress. Thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the very best and hope to have you back again sometime. 
Oh, thank you guys. Have a great one. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. We've got another very special guest on the line with us here today. We've got Constable Steve, who's become somewhat of a regular on this program. Constable Steve, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me again. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. You know, in the news, racism, race relations, and law enforcement have been front and center these last couple of weeks. You can't avoid it. As an African-American in law enforcement... Uh, how do you feel about the way things have been portrayed in the media so far? Because it seems that they want everybody to take a position. Either all law enforcement officers are racist, or if you don't take that position, then uh, you're, you're a terrible racist yourself. How do you feel about what's going on? Well, we got a first um, one of the first, you know, give condolences to the, you know, the family. Um, you should, you know, Law enforcement officers um, are not judge, jury, executioner. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> so of course, people are shocked by what they saw, and it's understandable. Um, some of the uh, what you've seen on TV, um, we of course do not. You know, I want to start out with saying we do not. I do not condone uh, the looting um, because that is not what. It's helpful to his, him or uh, the family or any attempts to um, make any positive reforms. Um, you know, of course, there are good police officers, but you know, the majority of them are. I mean, from my personal interactions and my personal uh, way that I conduct myself as a law enforcement officer. So, yes, there's nothing wrong with saying I support good police. You should say that. And good police need encouragement at this time more than ever. Um, and we also have to say, you know, we have to look to the Constitution as as, as I do. I mean, I don't call myself a constitutionalist, um, but I certainly follow the law. Um, so I, maybe I am a constitutionalist because I do follow the Constitution and people do have a right to protest peacefully also. Uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, so to speak. And, uh, you hit it on the head when you're talking about how you know this was an absolutely horrible situation when law enforcement officers are not judge, jury, and executioner. I actually mentioned on the We the People program last week or the week before that there's sort of a due process issue to to look at this w- with respect to you know this man not being afforded his due process. Uh, that's um, uh, obviously among other things. There's there's a lot of issues. That's just one angle that. A lot of people haven't been been looking out through, looking at throughout this entire situation. Uh, but why is it that we can't just all agree that what happened was absolutely horrible and disgusting and that should happen never again? It seems that there are so many people coming forward in the media or, or at these protests saying that not only do you have to agree that this was horrible and disgusting, uh, but you have to take these other positions that we're pushing on you. Otherwise, you don't care one bit. Or you have to excuse the looting, the rioting. Otherwise, you don't care one bit. Um, so, of course, you, 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 how can I say this? Um, no, you don't have to agree with all positions. No. Um, I think that you have to position yourself, okay, and ask just what is the morally correct way to go. That's that's just where my foundational thinking is. What is the morally correct position, and go from there. Um, you know, it, it's okay to like as I said, um, you know, be outraged by the, uh, you know, Floyd's death, George Floyd's death. Um, you know, certainly not to do looting and rioting. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, be supportive of positive policing, um, condemn illegal behavior by all, that's real simple, and stand against racism. I think it's, I think it's pretty easy to take that position 
Uh, I'm not know, sure of all the comments, so it's hard for me to address some of what I, th- I hear you saying. It's, just, it's hard for me to address it. Is there anything specifically? Uh, well, I think that you hit the nail on the head right over there, and you really stated okay. what I'm getting at is that we can all agree to some uh, very basic fundamentals here. And rather than focusing on maybe some of the finer political points, uh, we should be talking about the things that we do agree upon. I think that America had a chance there for about a day for everybody to be on the same page there where everybody who saw what happened to George Floyd was absolutely horrified. Uh, We don't want that stuff to happen ever again. It was terrible. That guy's a murderer and and he should be punished accordingly. Uh, But then obviously things went off the rails. We saw all kinds of other things that followed. And the saddest part about it in my view, is that it took the focus and attention away from the victim. It took this focus and attention mm-hmm. away from poor George Floyd, who had to go through that. And if there was anything to be gained as a society and moving forward, it seemed like some of these people went out there and destroyed the businesses of people who potentially worked very hard to get what they had, really, yes. uh, you know, set back the entire cause. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, that is. Um, too many people, um, you know, we have people out there who are going to take advantage of every situation and, and for their own selfish greed that has to be um, spoken about and condemned. Um, they surely did. Um, so, what I would say is that <clears throat> those of us who do, do care about justice um, remain focused on that. Um, the looters should be, should frankly, should have been dealt with. I'm not sure why you stand beside and and allow people to to steal. I mean, that's just just wrong, really. I don't I don't understand that that portion of it. But um, you know. Do you, do you think with the resources they could have been contained with the resources that were in the city? They could have contained it? You know, it's, it's harder um, being there, you know, boots on the ground and then uh, sitting on TV. Um, contained is, is a tough one. Um, it could certainly have been addressed. You know, we hear about way. these stand down orders from the higher ups who sit in offices, uh, like right. mayors and things of the like, not only in Pennsylvania, but throughout the entire country. Guys like de Blasio over in New York telling uh, police that essentially they have to get their skulls caved in and can't do anything about it. Uh, you know, from a, a law enforcement standpoint, Steve. We see a lot of politicians moving now as a response to defund the police and disband police departments. Is that going to be the solution? You know, I don't understand what they mean by defund, per se. I mean, are they asking to start over? Are they saying they want to uh, financially incentivize? I I don't even understand the argument. Uh, But no, we can't. We're not going to. No. Just on a simple answer, no, we can't simply just defund the police. Um, you know, we're going to have to ask some reforms. What is it that people are asking for when they say defund the police? Because people are going to pick up the phone and call 911, and they want to offer certain response. So where do we go from there? You know, we, you know, we start off with, okay, we, some, we want some reforms. You know, what do we do? And that's the toughest part of the response to defund the police. What do we do? Um, I don't have the answers to all that can be done. Uh, I, I don't even, I know they're doing something on the federal level. Uh, don't know the different state ones. Um, that's, would, a hard, that's a d- very difficult question. But wouldn't it seem that if there are issues within these departments that people want addressed, that to take away their resources for education and training or to really hire the best possible candidates would be the opposite of the solution. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> yes, it, it, 
it, it would be. Yeah, yeah, do you think there's them. maybe just like an angry sentiment towards the police and, and that's why they're coming out with these proposals? Is Everybody's just mad at the police altogether, so we're going to take your money away? Could, could it be a knee-jerk sort of reaction? It is. And, you know, you don't want to have um, – got to deal with bad actors. Uh, we all have a workplace, and we all have somebody in that workplace not doing what's expected, what's appreciated, those people have to be dealt with. That's where they have to, to focus their, their attention on, in my opinion. Um, you know, education and training, you got to have educated officers. You don't want them out there, I guess. Uh, I guess it was, it, they were in the past where you just hired um, a tall guy, who, you know, 250 pounds, you know, and, you know, they just like to throw people against the cars. Um Hit with the nightstick. So, yes, we got to have that. Um, everybody has to be accountable. So, you know, I'm going to be watching um, some of the reforms um, as they come to, you know, a point of decision. You know, uh, right now, it's all debatable. Everything that's being talked about is just simply a debate. What actually comes about it? Um, police have to take accountability for internal things. Uh, we on the public have to take accountable for external things um, and move forward with how do we make policing better, which I think is the goal. I hope I hope that's where everybody's goal, make policing better. Um, no police. I don't know if society, it, it, if we're ready for that. I mean, um, I guess there's some old Western movies where you can look at where you didn't have law enforcement. Um, <laughs> well, right, the, here's the right. problem, Steve, is I know, I know that you, you support our Second Amendment, but a lot of these yes, politicians who are moving to, uh, you know, disband the police, defund the police are also not in favor of our Second Amendment, not supportive citizens having the option to protect themselves. So they want you dis completely disarmed and no police to call. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Bad situation. And, and this actually may, may be a good opportunity for Second Amendment insertion, as we in terms terms of debate, okay, right. You know, what do we do if we were to go to have no police? What are citizens to do? Let's look at the Second Amendment. Um, look at restrictions on protecting yourself. Yes, I mean, it's a good time to at least put it on the table uh, in some form, some fashion, uh, with good thought of how to introduce it. Um, but I think it needs to be a part of the conversation. Um, Absolutely. You know, there's too many restrictions everywhere. Right. If if you believe that this is the solution to having a safer society, politicians, then quit tying my hands behind my back. Let me protect myself and my loved ones. You with me, Philly Chris? I'm totally with you, brother. You know, this is a an example of a time when, um, you know, it's necessary more than ever. I think it's a reminder of how things can go in our country, even though we've had a lot of you know, peaceful times over the years. This is uh, a prime example of when, you know, the Second Amendment is really necessary and, and why it was designed the way it was to, to protect our mm -hmm. inalienable God-given rights. So, yeah. And yep. Const Constable Steve, uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the program today is you, you've got a lot of very interesting perspectives on on issues and you have a way of talking to people uh, that I think they really understand your points more so than uh, other people. You've just got, there's just a way about you. It's sort of an intangible thing to be honest, uh, where, where people, people pick up what you're putting down, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with all the madness going on today, with, with everything we've seen in the last few weeks with respect to all the, you know, the aftermath of the Floyd situation, not to mention all the pandemic situation. You've been on talking about uh, that issue as well on this program. Uh, is there any advice or words of wisdom that you'd have for our audience? Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the pandemic again. Um, you know, this pandemic has... <clears throat> as I think about it more and more, you know, I just have this feeling um, that 
it was more of a trial run in terms of uh, a, a unspoken, an unspoken, um, you know, reasoning behind this in the sense that this was a trial run for something. I think there was some intelligence that they have that we got to get ready for biowarfare. Um, I don't, from what I'm seeing, the numbers aren't, are the numbers higher than really flu? Um, I don't, I'm not trying to diminish any, any death. Uh, this is not the point of what I'm saying. I'm just, in comparison to the flu, um, is this more deadly or is this, you, we're going to use this as a motive to get the public ready, the American public ready for something that they got out there. You know, somebody, may be developing something in the lab or they have developed something, attempting to develop something in a lab that if released, you're going to need mass. You're going to need food. You're certainly going to need a means of protection as we see societal breakdown. You know, this is kind of an example, you know, of, of people looting and saying looting simply for to survive. Right. Um, you know, I kind of wonder sometimes if this right here, is this a preparation and should you really look to this as that get what you need, you know, have all the supplies that you maybe went out and bought a little bit at a time, start thinking the longer term. Um, hmm. That has just kind of been on my mind, you know, of course that, you know, are you saying, Steve, then you feel like there's more, you know, it's almost more by design, this whole thing or reflectively looking back at it, um, that it feels that way. Do you feel like what, uh, what's your, your take on that from what you're saying? Um, so design. So it could have been an opportunity if not a design. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Right. Thinking more of an opportunity. More of an opportunity. So here's the bottom line though, is that. If you've got this stuff on your mind about preparation with respect to food and ammunition and, uh, you know, firearms, protective mm-hmm. gear, mm-hmm. what does it hurt to get all of that stuff together and prepare as if you're going to need it in the near future? What's the harm? Right. There is not. Yeah. yeah. You waste a few bucks and some time, right? <laughs> well, I think, too, when, uh, when we all reflect back on this, you know, and there's been talk of this. You know, more now when when folks look at the prepper community, for example, they used to kind of get a bad rap. Maybe they were, you know, a little too prepared or overzealous. But looking back now, it, it's pretty easy to see how fragile our our way of living is. You know, we rely on so many things in our in our current uh, modern day society around the globe and uh, mm-hmm. definitely some lessons there. So I think you bring up a really good point, Steve. I'm trying to make a point. and you are (laughs) i think the bottom line is constable steve has a message for everybody it's uh get yourself prepared be prepared uh acknowledge and recognize injustice when it's taking place in front of you Uh, be free to exercise your constitutional rights such as your first amendment in protest your second amendment in arming yourself but for goodness sake stop looting things and rioting you're taking away from the, the greater good. Is that a fair message coming from you, Constable Steve? I co-sign that message. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for, thanks for having me again. It really was. It's, it's definitely enjoyable. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. Only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. Now it's time, once again, for Rapid Fire with Philly Chris. Philly Chris, what do you got for us on tap here today? All right. Ready, Mike? Go through some rapid fire here. Uh, So as we know, Seattle is under siege. Uh, They've been actually setting up walls to keep others out in that area and basically claiming it to be their own uh, private section of the United States, which is quite interesting. Apparently, these are the same folks who don't want a border wall, but they're setting up uh, borders. <laughs> so, so we'll see how that works out for them. Well, uh, what, what are their views on the Second Amendment? Because I think that's very important. How are they treating that? 
Well, under their new constitution there in Seattle, they don't acknowledge it. So <laughs> there's, there, there's no right to bear yeah. arms. For no, this. there's no rights. Because yeah. you would think that if uh, – is this where they're trying to make a police-free zone? Is that what they're calling it? They've already done about? it. I mean, they basically took over the area, I believe, around the police station there. So it's uh, a serious situation where they've claimed a part of the United States as their own. Uh, but there's no law enforcement. That's the whole point of it? I believe so, yes. That's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. So presumably you'd have to have something to protect yourself, no? Um, I guess they're using their spray paint and their Molotov cocktails and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, if they don't have firearms to protect themselves, right. sooner or later, somebody is going to figure that out. Yeah, and, and Trump has already mentioned there, something about going in there possibly. There's so going to be it. somebody new taking over the town, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Right. It takes one yeah. bad guy who's armed and willing to to cause destruction to get his own way, and that's right. going to be the end of that. So, uh, you know, if, if they're really supposed to be some kind of bastion of freedom over there, uh, you'd think that they would value the right to bear arms. If they don't, then it's a farce. Right. Absolutely. Fair enough. Is that fair? Fair enough, brother. I what else we got? Uh, earlier, we talked about defunding the police. You know, that's being thrown around, as Kathy mentioned earlier when she's on with us on the show. You know, maybe they can reimagine or, you know, redream <laughs> up what the police are going to do. I don't know. Maybe they'll drive around and you know, snow cone trucks or something and be nice to everybody. I don't well, that's like the, the COVID 911 in Philadelphia, right? From the commercial. What, yeah. what did that guy say? What did the dispatcher say for the, the commercial in... Uh, Philadelphia calling in with the home invader. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. We refresh my memory on that. I think I, I, I remember. The, uh, you you only did the voice for crying out loud. Oh, you're talking about the one just, we did. You mean yeah, the one we did? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, the dispatcher said, "I just call us back in about a week." Right, <laughs> right, right, right exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be the, about the other one. There was that's going to be the defunded police program, right? Yeah, we should so, replay some of those. I think we were ahead of our uh, time on those. I, I th- but I think it's uh, really let's try to take this to the most basic, fundamental level. Let's try to use logic here. Is the problem that you're not getting the right candidates? Well, if you're not getting the right candidates. Paying more is probably going to bring in some better candidates. Is that fair to say? That's just human nature. That's capitalism, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a reason why uh, airline pilots get paid so much money? You've got this really stringent process for hiring these sorts of people. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a different uh, different kind of candidate. Show up, and not to say that uh, you know low wage jobs are not important. Not at all saying that, but I think that the the way to have higher quality candidates and people who care most about the job is not to pay them less, right? Go ahead and tell people, uh, hey, you're not getting a raise. You're getting the opposite of a raise. Go out there and do a better job. See how that works out for you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And some of them are stepping down now as a result because it seems like they're getting blamed for what happened, even though, as you mentioned earlier on today's episode, that they were directed not to intervene. You know, they were told right. to stand down and now they're being blamed for it. So it's interesting. But they're being blamed for that. And some of them are being blamed across the country for what happened in Minnesota, too. I mean, it seems like right. some people are throwing out this universal blame across law enforcement. And listen, I've had my issues with law enforcement officers in my profession. No mm-hmm. two ways about it. But to say that every single law enforcement officer is a racist murderer, that's absolutely asinine. Yeah. You can't speak in absolute. Absolutes regarding any group. I, right. I don't think there's probabilities, probabilities, right? Uh, so, President, Trump, uh, President Trump tweeted about the 75 year old uh, Mark Gongino, the protester who was shoved down by the Buffalo, New York police. It looks pretty bad. You know, the optics on that are pretty bad when you see the video. I'm sure many of our listeners have seen it. Uh, Trump did tweet out saying that he may be part of Antifa or another organization. And there are some reports now surfacing that he's been arrested multiple times for interfering with uh, police activity at protests and possibly scanning their frequency. So there may be more to that story, but it still doesn't look too good what happened there. So uh, also Barr suggests that the FBI ignored uh, exculpatory evidence regarding the Russia probe. So. Uh-huh. 
We're waiting for the Durham report to come out with some additional details regarding that. So they picked and chose what they were going to use. I'm I'm incredibly surprised. There was misconduct. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like toward the end of the investigation, they didn't have uh, solid evidence to continue with it. And and they they pushed forward and even got more aggressive toward the end from what I've seen. Well, exculpatory Uh, evidence means that you've got evidence that would tend to diminish their case. Right, exactly. Their case, right? This is going to help your case, but I'm not going to show it to you. That's right. Uh, There's a constitutional case in the criminal context uh, called Brady. We always call that a Brady violation when a prosecutor fails to turn over exculpatory evidence. So uh, that'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to follow that. Do you think there's going to be some kind of uh, blowout at the end of all this? Is there going to be some kind of... Barr said there probably will be. Yeah, he said that he's pretty shocked at what he's been seeing so far, but he can't you know, talk about where it's going, but they're working on it as quickly as possible. Do you so really I believe that? The, uh, do you honestly believe that? I've just been disappointed far too many times. I think and it's Barr, just taken a while, but I, not, I'm Barr, starting to believe it. Yeah. What do we know about Barr? Has he been involved in politics before? Or, or involved in some kind of administration before? He was the AG under Bush, wasn't he? Yeah, right, right. So, so he's not necessarily an outsider or anything like that. Some, somebody That's coming true. in to, mm-hmm. to shake it up. I, I just see another Comey-type situation he's here. He's pretty level-headed, but I'm sorry, what was that? I just see another Comey-type situation where he comes in at the end and says, you know, we evaluated everything. It wasn't good, but no reasonable prosecutor would really do anything about this. So that's it. Case closed. That's the end of that. That's what I see happening over here. And I hate to say it. I know I sure. sound it's very I, likely. I sound cynical, right, but right. I've just been disappointed way too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think that a lot of us were hoping when Donald Trump was elected that he was going to get into office. They were going to open up the books, and people were going to go to jail, draining the swamp, so to speak. Right? Sure. Putting yeah, some kind of an end to government corruption. I uh, mm-hmm. we haven't seen it the way we'd like to, and of course. Uh, the left has sure put up a fight. You could even say some people would want to call it the deep state has put up a fight because they know their backs up against the wall as long right. as he's in there. But we haven't seen what we wanted to see. Uh, Very true. Very true. What else? What else we got? Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, bad actors are appearing on both sides. So to try to be fair about it, you know, there are both uh, extremists on the left and the right side. We're hearing about. You know, Antifa, white supremacist groups. So, and some of them are possibly pretending to be the other, and you know, just trying to add fuel to the fire with all of the craziness that we've seen in the past, uh, you know, couple weeks. They have white supremacists posing as Antifa. There, there's reports of it, but uh, you know, uh, you know, the problem is right now. Uh, who, where, who do you trust? Where do you get information that's accurate? It's very right. difficult. No, it's true. Well, Project yeah. Veritas, do you think Project Veritas is a re- reliable source? I have that listed in here, actually. I was going to mention that they've actually come out with a couple of, uh, uh, just in the past few days, some undercover reporting regarding Antifa and, you know, watching it with my own eyes and then also being down there for the protests and, and extreme things that happened. I interacted with them myself, who I believe, you know, were folks that were working with those organizations and they clearly are well-trained. It's coordinated, you know, they're using communication devices. So, you know, it looks like there's some validity there, but uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. Of course. I I think that what they uncovered was that Antifa is really just a group who doesn't like fascists and they bake cupcakes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They gave me a few. actually. (laughs) That was really sweet of them. Thank you. Everybody needs to check that stuff out because every time, and there have been Antifa videos with project, Veritas in the past, haven't there? there um, have maybe, it, maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was uh, I know Crowder did something where they went undercover and found that they were uh, preparing with weapons, ice picks. They talked about having yeah. illegal firearms and when they went to bring it to the police, the police were like, oh, you know, there's really nothing we could do about it. Are you kidding me? Just, <laughs> uh, of course, because well, they got one particular leaning, right? Yeah, no, it seems to be the case. And uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that as a continues to progress but pretty pretty wild stuff going on what else um you know the uh, new york times had an op-ed uh, by eco yanaka and the title was can my children be friends with white people uh tucker carlson had him on check that out but they had an interesting conversation and you know i just think we're getting more and more divided over the past couple of weeks we need to kind of find a way to come back together um but it seems like there's some of that going on and then there's talk of a you know second wave now with the coronavirus because people are out protesting and ignoring the social distancing, uh, and now Trump is reinitiating some some rallies across the country as a result of some of this. So we'll see where that goes. 
you know, we've talked about that on the show in the past few weeks that there could be reports of that and there have been already. Um, so hopefully it's not something more serious than whatever COVID-19 was or COVID-19 doesn't pick back up. But, uh, as we know, the numbers have been very difficult to, to track accurately based on uh, that. We'll know here pretty soon. I tell you what, the market seems to think that, uh, the second wave is coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was down 6.9% today. Uh, so that's a pretty significant tick down, especially with how high it is. Yeah. And, you know, the airlines are struggling. Um, yeah. So and it was looking pretty good there for a minute, wasn't it? Yeah. For a minute. Yeah, a couple and minutes. Things, like, the, cru- the cruise lines were up, I think, double what they were. Right. You know, because right. people are saying, okay, we're, we're going to be going on vacation again, and uh, yeah, things and, are going to straighten out. And really what concerns me personally, living in the Philadelphia area, looking at the infrastructure around here, there's a lot of stores that are still not able to get up and running and destroyed, and they're boarded up you know, all around the city. The suburbs, King of Prussia Mall was hit. You know, uh, it's just a lot of things that are going to negatively impact earnings for a little while. So, you know, we may be in this for a little bit longer than than we would like to be um, with with those financial consequences. Well, that's all the time we've got for today, folks. Stay armed with your Bibles and stick around for We the People, the Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia, I'll be joining as your legal analyst. Have a safe weekend. God bless, folks. Peace, everyone.